thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And everyone who's new to the program, welcome. Thanks for joining in with us today. And uh, obviously to our regular listeners and people who tune in, welcome back again. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, we're pretty excited because we always, I mean, we were always excited, aren't we, Andrea? We're, <laughs> I would say we're yeah. pretty excited. We, we just get excited on life and uh, on these health conversations we have. But um, I think today is one of those interesting ones where we've interviewed some amazing people on this particular topic. We've got some insights from some great minds and some great teachers in this area. And today, as the wellness women, we just wanted to touch on some of the discussion about gut health and uh, a common term that you'll hear thrown around the health, I guess, sector at the moment, which is leaky gut. And we're going to talk about that ourselves and some of the protocols and things that we use um, in our practices and obviously in our health and lifestyle as well. And a little discussion from a question that was asked of us, which is, what's the difference between, you know, a GP or, or my doctor and you refer to uh, functional practitioners or integrative medicine doctors or functional medicine practitioners on your show, like what is that? What are those people? What do they do differently? Like what, what's the difference there? So we'd love to answer that today because I think it ties in really well with the discussion we're going to have about leaky gut and why you're hearing a lot about it and why there's some, you know, really vocal skeptics out there as well, um, challenging possibly people who say, yes, yes, this exists, and then others say it's just a make-believe construct to help all these new age hippie health practitioners market themselves, which is super interesting to hear that discussion as well, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think there's a lot of fear kind of based mentality that comes out when uh, those things happen. But there is quite a distinct difference between a general traditional uh, practitioner or your regular GP and an actual functional medicine practitioner or functional health practitioner. But we can go into a bit more of that later and why it's important for this topic. Today, we are going to go into more detail about leaky gut syndrome or, you know, your gastrointestinal permeability. And I know we've kind of touched on this topic a lot with lots of different um, interviewees that we've had on the show as well, um, but we haven't actually really delved into it exclusively as a topic. And it seems like such a simple thing, but it's actually incredibly complicated and incredibly multifaceted. And once we go down this rabbit hole, you know, we really could get lost in there for a little while. So we're going to keep it pretty simple today. Um, but this is certainly something that we see every single day in practice. And it's certainly something that everybody who's listening really needs to have a good think about and see if this could be part of the contributing factor to some of their health issues as well. So we're talking about the gut again. Uh, no surprise there. A lot of uh, a lot of stuff always comes back to to our gut health. Um, not surprisingly. So Ash, uh, do you want to just kind of go into maybe why this is such an important topic again? Oh, look, absolutely, because the gut, as we've talked about in uh, previous episodes as well, is 
there's just so much more science now showing how critical gut health is to our overall health and well-being. And this can translate into things like as women, we're always talking about our hormonal health and hormonal balance and stability. Um, it even includes things like brain health, our mental health, because our gut has direct links through the gut-brain barrier, through um, the enteric nervous system as well, to how our entire neuro pathways signal each other and mm -hmm. that's fascinating because you know the fact that the brain can affect the gut and the gut affects the brain it sounds like a no-brainer <laughs> terrible weather, <laughs> terrible expression there but what it means is that uh, you know if things are affecting our gut um, in a negative way then they also have the ability to affect our brain nervous system and vital communications in a negative way as well so there's um i, I think we've the vernacular is the increased intestinal permeability and that there those three words should sort of explain quite quickly what that is. Increased meaning obviously more pores, more openings in your intestinal tract and permeability is the ability of, of molecules to pass through barriers. So in mm. this case, we're talking about the gut, we're talking about the lining or the um, endothelial lining of the gut and how certain things uh, cause an irritation or an inflammation in that gut lining, increasing the gaps between the gut and of course allowing larger molecules foods and microbes and things into the bloodstream which is essentially just opening up the doorway for a myriad of health concerns um, inflammation potentially chronic lifestyle diseases there is so much science starting to show that uh, a lot of health problems could actually be healed with the gut first yeah, and if you've uh, listened to any of Cal Brock's stuff, he uses a really great analogy about the fly screen. So if you think of your gut lining as like a, a really good intact fly screen, that it's not going to let any flies in, but it will certainly let fresh air and in and out and those sorts of things. But then when there's big gaps in the fly screen, it's going to let those insects in and out, which we definitely don't want. And that's, you know, an, an analogous to... Um, the large particles in our system that shouldn't be entering uh, anywhere outside of the gut and they should, you know, be maintained within that gut wall. And I think that we once thought about the gut just exclusively for absorbing and excreting nutrients, right? So we would keep in what we need and we'd get rid of what we don't need. But now we know that the intestinal barrier, including those little tight gap junctions, which you just mentioned, Ash, um, and each of those cells actually control our tolerance. So when food's coming, we go, yep, we like that. That's good. We need to keep that. Um, and our immune system, so any reactions to anything that is registered as you know, not good for us as well. Um, and one thing that we're going to talk a little bit about today is isonulin, which is a protein, and that is the physiological sort of moderator um, in those little tight gap junctions in the little cells of the intestinal lining. Um, so that's almost like your traffic control system. So this is what controls the response to, yes, this is a good thing, we want to keep that, or no, this is going to now mount an immune reaction to whatever is there um, and, you know, that's not such a good thing. And that's when we're getting a lot of symptoms um, on a whole host of, of that spectrum. And let's talk about some of those symptoms because when we start to say, some, the question is, how do I know if I have leaky gut? What what should be a giveaway? What some of the signals or signs that I should be watching out for? Um, so I certainly say first and foremost for me is always food sensitivities. Are you noticing that when you eat certain foods, you find yourself having physical responses, whether it be skin allergies, whether it be 
gas, bloating, intestinal problems, whether it be fogginess, brain fog, fatigue, lethargy, all those things happening once you've eaten foods. Um, and these could be signs of food sensitivities. And that happens because the immune response to people with this in, intestinal um, hyperpermeability, so this increased mm-hmm. permeability, and basically the body goes into overdrive, mass-producing antibodies. So you start to get a lot of physical signs and symptoms of that. Some of the other ideas that you see in practice, Andy, what, what do you find people can present with? Oh, look, I think anything, though, that classic triad of symptoms of the bloating, the potential irritable bowel type symptomatology, so yeah. going between constipation and diarrhea, pain, bloating, um, absolutely the food intolerances and sensitivities. Um, I do a lot of IgG testing with my patients at the practice, which mm-hmm. is looking at a part of the immune system that reacts to foods. So this is not your anaphylactic type reaction. This is a slower reaction um, by the system that might be, you know, something that might even be below your conscious level of, um, you know, symptoms that you're experiencing from certain foods. And what I noticed with the IgG testing is a lot of people have got really high sensitivities to very random things. And almost everyone I've ever tested is reacting to obviously wheat, gluten, eggs, dairy products, um, nuts, seeds, different fruits, and those sorts of things. And I think that part of that is because of this increased gastrointestinal permeability. So their immune system is just going haywire and pretty much reacting to everything. So the food intolerance is is a big one. Um, I think uh, gluten is a bit of a separate issue. Um, I don't think that that is a symptom of leaky gut, more of a causation Mm. to the leaky gut in the first place. Um, But anyone with autoimmune conditions that I've ever seen has always had greater symptoms of leaky gut syndrome as well because of how it's really changing the expression of your immune system too. Um, And mood changes as well. Um, Ash, I love what you said, how you're talking about um, feeling sluggish, tired after eating. And this can then extend to things like including depression and anxiety, because when we change the way our gut functions, we also change that, that synthesis and production of things like serotonin which is really critically involved with, um, you know, our neurotransmitter balance. So that, that good feel, good, happy neurotransmitter. Um, so when we've got leaky gut, that's going to be interfering with those sorts of things as well. Um, oh, and I agree with that because I've, I've had an interesting challenge for someone say, yeah, but that's normal because a lot of people get that. And I said, well, just because it's common doesn't make it normal. And just because you think it's normal doesn't mean it's okay. Because I yeah, have, amen, sister. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, well, I wasn't quite as, uh, confrontational as that but I was gently challenging that idea because I think I was a little bit um, frustrated with the line of of, I guess sort of cynicism that was coming from this discussion I was having with someone and I then could only ask is when you eat food what is food supposed to do for your body is it supposed to increase cellular energy or decrease cellular energy what is the point of food in the body and of course I hope that seems like a no-brainer right you would hope yeah (laughs) It should increase and therefore it should make us feel good and energized and refueled. And if it's doing the complete opposite, then what is it actually calling upon within the body that's causing response, that's down-regulating our energy, that's causing us to slow down, shut down, become sluggish, become, you know, lethargic? That's that's the question right there. So, ladies, if you're thinking, well, you know, when I eat, I, I don't feel as 
buzzed as I should, I don't feel energized. Or if you're only seeking foods that make you feel buzzed and energized, such as things with caffeines and sugars and, and foods that are pick-me-ups, then there's probably a really good signal right there that there might be a dysregulation within your gut that's not allowing your body to process food and micronutrients and macronutrients correctly. And this is where mm-hmm. we talk about leaky gut and why so many people have it but don't know it because some of the symptoms are so common and so normal to a lot of people, but that doesn't make them okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me just put a little uh, postscript there. Oh, I cannot get through an episode without Tiaki um, <laughs> just uh, talking to everybody. Anyway, um, when you're when you sit down for a meal, hopefully um, that process is happening when you're in your parasympathetic nervous system. So your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in, which is you know like what we refer to as your rest and digest part of your nervous system. So it should make you feel more relaxed. Um, it certainly should aid with sleep and those sorts of things. And when you're actually going through that digestive process, it actually uses about forty percent of your whole body's energy to digest your food. So sometimes you know, you will feel more relaxed with eating, but you shouldn't feel really tired. You shouldn't feel really, really sluggish. You shouldn't feel like you need to lie down and have a nap or have one of those big crashes after you eat. So just keep that in mind. Yes, you should be nice and relaxed. It should be easy to get off to sleep if that's what you're doing after your meal, but you shouldn't be crashing out after after that. Sure. All right. Some of the other signals as well, I noticed um, people who come back with blood tests constantly mm-hmm. having issues with uh, nutritional deficiencies. So they might yeah. be having you know, B12 or magnesium deficiencies, key enzyme deficiencies. These are the things that uh, are certainly giveaways. If it's repeatedly happening, my question is, well, not is your body stupid? It can't actually um, you know, use these enzymes It's like or these minerals. Is it actually getting through? Is it correctly mm-hmm. processing in a way that your body can absorb? So malabsorption is a great uh, indicator as well. And, of course, things like inflammation skin conditions as well. If someone's having lots of inflammatory stuff, we know there's gut skin connection theory out there telling us that there's certainly connections between mm. gut and skin. So, you know, instead of topically applying creams and lotions and, and things to the skin, should we be looking at the gut from the inside out to help heal the membranes, which is, you know, in sort of a continuous lining that runs from the, the gastrointestinal tract and wraps around your body as a skel- cell, skin cellular membrane as well. Um, this is a really hard concept to get your head around. And, and Chris Cresser talks a lot about whatever is inside your gut lining, like your gut is just a bit of a central tube, right? Whatever is inside it is actually outside of you. And it, it's a really hard, it took me a really long time to actually get my head around what he was meaning by that. But once it sunk in, I went, oh yeah, I get it. But it's almost like your gut is like you said, contiguous with your skin in the outside world. So it's it's that barrier between your body and all of your internal organs and all of your blood supply in there. And there shouldn't be anything greater than allowing, you know, the nutrients that we just need for, you know, our continual cell repair and growth and those sorts of things. Um, anyway, I'm kind of digressing there. Let's have a look at the things that are going to impact or make you more susceptible to a leaky gut. and Obviously, the number one biggest factor, um, and I think, you know, which should be pretty obvious is, is dietary 
changes. So a typical standard American or a standard Australian diet, you know, that that sad type diet that we refer to, or a Western inflammatory diet, which is high in sugars, processed carbohydrates, um, you know, it has a lack of good fermentable foods that's just full of processed crap essentially, is absolutely going to be affecting your gut lining. Um, Gluten is a really, really big one. Um, If you haven't got the impression that gluten may not be good for us yet, um, then hopefully you will have be able to take that away from here. So remember how I we referred to zonulin a little while ago. So zonulin is a protein that helps keep those um, those tight junctions in the cells um, on the gut lining. So that's sort of its its uh, its function. It's its regulatory body for that. And when we eat a lot of gluten, um, one of the things in gluten, which is gliadin, actually interferes with that zonulin expression. So it directly impacts that tight gap junction, which is directly causing leaky gut. And this is every single time you have wheat or gluten, every single time. And, yes, it does take, you know, 48 to 72 hours to actually repair the gut lining. But let's say you eat, you know, some toast for brekkie and then you have some pasta for dinner and then maybe you have, you know, a couple of days without that. But then two days later you have a bite of a muffin or something and, then you're starting that whole cycle and that whole process all over again. And it can just be something that's, you know, molecular size. Um, It might be some crumbs. It might be just a bite. And if you are really susceptible to those sorts of things, then you're just exacerbating that, um, you know, that process over and over and over again, creating massive inflammation. um, And, you know, that, that vicious cycle continues. So other things that are going to affect, you know, the, um, integrity of your gut um, is absolutely toxins, um, infections, you know, bacterial yeast infections, um, candida overgrowth, parasitic infections, including heavy metals, molds, um, any kind of immune system changes as well. So uh, sometimes for kids when their immune system doesn't develop appropriately enough, it can make them a little bit more susceptible to that. Um, what else should we add to that list, Ash? Well, you've um, got to throw in there's uh, increased sugars, so the high sugar intake, which could yeah. also contribute to things like yeast overgrowth. So you just mentioned and toxins well unfortunately you know overgrowth of yeast can certainly contribute to leaky gut mm-hmm. um alcohol i mean excessive alcohol intake is is shown to have an increase in intestinal permeability mm-hmm. um other things drugs medications certainly your um standard sort of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs nsaids these are such as ibuprofen and they've causes damage to the gut lining so it's all why a lot of people know they can't take anti-inflammatories for too long because it know they know it damages the stomach or the gut but often they don't know what is actually damaging that understand that oh yeah you shouldn't take them because it could cause stomach ulcers um, mm-hmm. that's certainly one presentation that's a more extreme presentation but what if in the meantime it's been causing this increase in permeability which doesn't have the extreme symptoms of a stomach ulcer but it's certainly got other health implications so yeah certainly the use of those, um, particularly long-term use, has got a very big risk uh, in damaging the gut lining. There's also certain nutrient deficiencies, you know, things like uh, zinc or vitamin D, vitamin A. They've also shown to Mm -hmm. have some increase in uh, gut membrane permeability. So, um, Um, and and stress. 
stress, chronic stress, stress all day long, stress, 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 stress. We we throw this in with almost every health condition known to mankind, but stress has just so many layers to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, two other ones that I just want to touch on for the medications is absolutely antibiotic use mm. um, and things like protein pump inhibitors as well. So they might be prescribed um, for reflux or heartburn conditions, um, but it's absolutely going to change that whole digestive tract too. Um, and yeah, stress is, you know, the biggest one. And that might be a bigger one for someone rather than, you know, their toxin load or stress might be more um, implicated in this for someone who maybe has some food sensitivities. So I think it's important to isolate what the biggest factors are for you. It might be foods, it might be stress, it might be, you know, some of the medications that you're taking and try to address what the biggest ones are first and then working down the chain after that. Yeah, because there's certainly multiple contributing factors, isn't there? So it's not like a diet alone is going to fix this uh, problem. It's it's certainly got multifactorial elements to it. So you just need to address and touch on a couple of different things that are relevant to you and your health. So if you're listening and you're mm-hmm. thinking, oh, yeah, my diet's really rubbish, but then you also realize that, yes, you're under chronic stress and that's why your diet's rubbish. And then um, because of all that rubbish diet and, and lack of exercise and that, you've got joint pain, so you're popping a few medications now you can start to see the layers that are starting to contribute to the down spiral uh, of your health and well-being overall so it's you know it's about digging up and rebuilding and and remodeling your health in a way that's going to help you not just heal your gut but get your whole health profile back in check exactly and you know what this isn't pseudoscience when we talk about leaky gut and um, this will sort of tie into what we're talking about functional versus um, traditional gps as well um uh, a lot of this research was sort of started by a, ga- a guy named um, Alessio Fasano, who is very well researched, very well um, publicized as well. Um, so he had a publication in 2011 in the Journal of uh, the Physiological Review, so a very well respected journal um, that refers, he actually refers to the gut lining as the biological door to inflammation, autoimmune conditions, and even cancer. Yeah, which like also this makes like, this him, is a really big deal. Yeah, it also makes it very well criticised too, doesn't it? Because a lot of people still yeah. want to put their head in the sand about this and say that can't be because if you don't have a, a condition that you can treat with medication, then the condition doesn't exist. Um, and this is why it's sat in the grey zone for quite some time and it's only why in the recent years you're hearing so much more about it because if you don't have a medication you can drop into the system to fix this one thing, then it mustn't be a condition at all. And we're finding out the research says otherwise that it certainly is. Um, There's certainly some myths about it that we need to be slightly careful of because not all things can be attributed to leaky gut, but it's just got so many presentations. Um, And you're right, he's he's a leader in that. So he's sort of one of those doctors that we call a functional medicine doctor. And what makes them different? And let's just, I'll just quickly run through this because I just want you to understand when when we refer to it, why do you look for someone different to maybe the person you've been seeing? We're not discouraging conventional care that in any way, but we just want you to know that there's different points of views that professionals have, including medical doctors, GPs, who've possibly deviated from the standard education they've received at university and have realized that they can look at things from a slightly different window, a different angle, and get better results for their patients. And who doesn't Mm. want that? Who doesn't want that for the people they care about and the people they're looking after? So I think the key there with functional medicine is that it is deeply scientific based. Most functional Mm -hmm. medicine practitioners are founded from a medicine 
field first and mm-hmm. have branched out because of possibly maybe frustration with lack of results in certain things that they're just not able to solve and that frustration dives into further, further research. Hi, Tiaki. <laughs> um, and I think the key there is to understand that what functional medicine doctors believe is that your body's really intelligent and instead of asking the question, what drug matches up with this disease? Functional medicine's asking the questions in a different way. So things like, you know, why do you have this problem in the first place? What's the cause of this problem? Um, why has function been lost? So actually diving deeper, trying to understand the mechanisms involved that are causing the problem, not just saying, based on these symptoms, this is the diagnosis and this is the drug that matches that diagnosis or this is the procedure or this is the surgery or whatever. So I think it's ultimately revealing a, a way of thinking about the human body, which is believing that the body is exceptionally intelligent and we're asking those questions about the relationships between our lifestyle and our food and our diet and our stress levels and trying to see why our body is not functioning the way it's born and designed to, um, which is really exciting. And that's why chiropractic, you know, fits in with our framework as well and why we sort of often refer to ourselves as integrative practitioners because we believe in utilizing all of these resources around us to get the best possible outcomes for our clients. And I think that the key there is that they look at the body as a whole rather than some sort of reductionistic method where, uh, you know, your skin conditions are only related to your skin conditions. Yeah. Um, so, and they're looking at what the root cause is for that, um, which I think is really, really helpful. And I think that this individualized type approach will certainly become the way of the future and hopefully the way that it's practiced throughout. Um, I think certainly in the past, particularly in the Chinese medicine realms, you know, which has been around for tens of thousands of years, there's there's got to be weight to that, right? Mm. Um, and your GP may sit anywhere along the spectrum of being very, you know, westernized, traditional kind of general practitioner where it's, um, you know, if your symptoms don't fit into a box that can be fixed by this medication, then you know, who knows what's going on. Um, and those sort of practitioners may look at your, say, gut issues or health issues and say, okay, you've got irritable bowel syndrome. Um, this is what you're diagnosed with. Um, there's nothing you can do about it. Off you go. And we know that irritable bowel syndrome is just essentially an umbrella term for lack of or pretty much excluding any other condition that they could possibly diagnose you with. And typically after extensive invasive testing as well, um, which, you know, in my opinion, can be quite unnecessary in a lot of cases. Um, so, you know, if that has been your diagnosis, then I'd certainly be looking um, deeper as to why that irritable gut syndrome is actually happening because it's not normal. This is not the way your, you know, body is designed to work. And um, your functional practitioner hopefully will be able to help you more along those lines. Yeah, you sort of need to become that annoying four-year-old, don't you? Oh, but – and mum says, you know, this is the answer. But why? And, you know, blah, 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 blah. But why? And, you know, mm-hmm. but why? But how? But why? And the more you ask that question, the more you realise it helps you dive deeper into what is root cause. So anytime you feel frustrated or anytime you have answers that you're not necessarily happy with, um, see if you can research the but why. Um, yeah. see, see if you can politely ask but why? And if the answer is, I don't know, that's okay too, because that person may not actually have an answer for you. So we need to find out the person who may, or to get to the point where this is what it is and this is how it is. And that's when we become okay then. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's just, I would say, become an annoying four-year-old because any, you know, practitioner that cares about you will 
whilst they'll understand your frustration, they'll usually research and dive deeper for you to try and find those answers uh, because most people's whys are, are genuine wise yeah okay well that's actually a very good question and if i don't have the answer let's find out uh so yes certainly yeah, when it comes to things point. like yeah when it comes to leaky gut as well ask the but why 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 what is it that's underlying all of this stuff and we just described a lot of those sort of signs and symptoms and some of the key things in your lifestyle that could be causing the potential risk or increase of gut uh, permeability such as the leaky gut syndrome so let's talk about some solutions because we need to sort of give us some direction, you might have these signs and signals, you might know or believe you have leaky gut or you've discussed this with friends and, you know, agree, yes, it's looking like it could be leaky gut. Do we go and get all these expensive tests first, Andrew? What's what's your recommendation? Oh, look, I think that as far as I'm concerned, um, testing for leaky gut, uh, depending on the individual, and I'm just using a bit of a blanket statement here, so certainly don't take this as medical advice, but a lot of the time I think it can be unnecessary. And I think for a lot of practitioners, particularly if they're new to functional medicine, they will test for leaky gut and they will do that quite extensively. Um, but I think unless uh, my thinking for diagnostic testing is, unless it's going to dramatically change the diagnosis and therefore the treatment outcome, that's how I weigh up the benefit versus, you know, cost, risk, all of those sorts of things in terms when we look at certain testing. So with leaky gut or, you know, increased gastrointestinal permeability testing, um, for the most part, if you have any of these symptoms, nine times out of 10, yes, you're going to have leaky gut. Is there other things and other factors that are going to be involved? Most likely, but let's start here. And this is something that you absolutely can control. This is something that you don't necessarily need to go down this extensive testing route to come to some sort of um, an understanding of. And you don't need expensive medications or a huge, you know, array of supplements or anything like that or a very intensive regime. Yes, it can involve some changes, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, and there, you know, just for your own benefit, that some things that if you do want to know, there are certainly tests that you can do. Um, however, in most cases, I don't think they're necessary. So one of them is the zonulin or the lactulose test. You can certainly do some IgG testing for your food intolerances. You can do stool samples. Um, there's some other organic sort of acid vitamin tests and mineral deficiencies and those sorts of things that will give you an indication as to whether or not um, you know, leaky gut is one of those things. Um, and a lot of these tests do need to be done through your your functional, your integrative practitioner. Um, However, before you go diving into that route, let's have a look at some of the things that you can do first to see if this actually makes a change to your health. Cool. Well, I'm going to talk uh, quickly through what we call the four R's to healing gut problems. And this is something you successfully for years in functional medicine protocols. Um, mm -hmm. You'll hear a lot of naturopaths and nutritionists, dietitians, anyone who's worked with uh, functional medicine or, or knows a good functional medicine medicine practitioner has learnt through or from them or has done some course and training in that area, um, they will have heard of the 4R program and it's been attributed to uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bryan, who's a PhD. He's a biochemist and bioscientist researcher um, and him himself and associates at the Functional Medicine Institute found this to be a really effective way to address and treat gastrointestinal dysfunction such as leaky gut. So these four R's, this four R program uh, can be quickly and easily broken down into remove, repair, replace and re-inoculate 
I actually like to extend that into the fifth R, which we will discuss as well, which is then to regulate. So let's just quickly run through those. Um, I think if you can go through the four R's, you're on a really, really good start path to getting your gut problems under control. Okay. So let's firstly talk about first step. First, first step is one, remove. Okay. And this is those factors we just talked about, which are contributing to symptoms. So they can be the foods that are causing allergies. Take away the gluten. Okay. So number one, cut out the wheat, cut out the gluten, reduce stress, cut out things that are causing allergies, such as alcohol, increased caffeine intakes, um, lots of sugar, excessive sugars. So it really is about switching out the things in your diet that are causing damage to your gut. So that's the remove component. This is also a time where we have to look for things like bacterial and yeast overgrowths, fungi, parasites, other things that are contributing to gut-related symptoms, and we've got to be able to remove those. And this is why working with a physician or a functional medicine practitioner is so important because sometimes you actually need to identify it first before you can even remove it. So mm-hmm. this is where some standard testing or some stool sampling and things like that can actually help you identify your particular needs. Um, but this is, again, a blanket way of saying, okay, one, remove. So get rid of the stuff that's causing the stress and damage to the gut. Number two is to replace. So then you've got to start to now restore the gut function and you need to replace some of the things that have been damaged and lost because of the Uh, injury to the gut. And these are things like replacing digestive enzymes and also hydrochloric acids, so the stomach acids, um, which can be lacking in your gut because of the dysfunction that's been happening and often it's been happening for a long time. So you've got to replace the things that are needed for normal gut function. And then you can certainly look at things that are going to help to restore that that gut lining as well. Um, and you can do this with foods and supplementation too. So things like L-glutamine, um, which is a really important nutrient um, that helps for really healthy intestinal cells. Um, so that that lining of your your gut, um, and it helps to maintain that proper uh, intestinal barrier as well. But just be careful with L-glutamine because for some people it can be converted into glutamate, which is uh, an excitatory sort of uh, neurotransmitter. So again, working with your functional practitioner to see if this is relevant for you. And the reason why bone broth is actually really helpful for people with leaky gut is because of one of the things in that that's really high is your L-glutamine. Perfect. Well, that's a jumping ahead. That's into our repair stage. <laughs> oh, damn it. Sorry. I was wondering why you were giving that funny look. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, so, anyway. That's okay, uh, but you're absolutely right. 100%. You're, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what we need to do. But, you know, we we have a working order for a reason because we've got to try and uh, follow some. <laughs> I'm back in the system. Sorry. Let's, let's go according to your working order. Well, yes. because this is the system that uh, is shown to have effect and therefore, look, we can jump around. And, of course, I don't think there's any really wrong way of doing this. If you're covering all bases, you're covering all bases, but it is good to try and follow the system so that you can make sure you're ticking the right boxes to be complete in your process. Um, Otherwise, what might happen is you might miss one of these little steps and that gap could be the difference between healing and repairing or not. Uh, So we, we went through the number one, which is to remove, number two to replace, number three is to re inoculate. Okay, so this is the third step. This is sort of, you know, like for six to 12 weeks, you need to bring back into the gut the good bacteria that help to retain and restore a healthy microflora balance and these are all the little good 
bugs that you need for great gut function. Um, so this is when we start to talk about foods, and you mentioned already bone broth. So this is this is starting to get into that process now as well. Um, this is the fermented foods phase. So this is when you bring in things like your sauerkraut, your kimchi, kefir, kombucha, anything that is fermented foods has high, obviously high rates of the good enzymes we need for our gut health. Um, prebiotics, the non-digestible plant components are nourishing the microflora. So this is, um, I, if you've heard of things like oligosaccharides, um, fructooligosaccharides, these are types of carbohydrates that are in some fruits and some vegetables that you can use to help fuel the good bugs and keep them alive and help them recolonize your gut. Um, and there's a couple of other things and some soluble fibers, things like uh, psyllium and flax seeds, because you need a good brush in the gut as well to to do the work of repairing the damaged tissue. So that's your restore, and that can go from anywhere from 6 to 12 weeks. So it does take time. So what you're realising here is this is not an overnight fix. You're looking at somewhere between 3 to 6 months. For some people, it can be 12 months of repair time needed to get the gut uh I guess, rebalanced given that it's been years and years and years of dysfunctional damage. Um, yeah, and, of course, yeah, then exactly. the probiotics as well. You need to put in the live bacteria that actually are going to help get your gut working and uh, some of those are designed to pass through. Some of them are little mm-hmm. probiotics are designed to be little passengers on a bus and they're going to jump off at one stop and jump on again and, and jump off again and they're going to pass through and others are actually going to stick around for a lot longer. So we need to uh, have a broad spectrum, a broad variety of probiotics with lots of different varieties and strains of uh, probiotics. So look for any supplements with diversity um, so that you have more chances of taking the ones that you need and this is where talking to practitioners is so helpful because just going getting generic brand of probiotics off the shelf or just out of the fridge of the pharmacy, um, it's really hard to know what you need. And we like to cycle them because then at least you're getting components of the probiotics varieties that you need, so different beneficial strains. And that way you're more likely to get the right ones into your gut at the right time and recolonize those. Any other thoughts on probiotics? Because I know that for me, brand quality is a big one. You've got to use. Oh, definitely. Um, probiotics, is a, it's a tricky one. I think a few years ago, we would just kind of give blanket probiotics to everybody thinking, oh, more must be better. Um, so more is more. And with probiotics, in terms of how they're tested and their efficacy, um, when they come in, there's a, there's a certain amount of testing that's done just to see if there's some sort of DNA sequence that they can pick up from. But it doesn't mean that the bugs are still live um, or that strain is actually viable. So, you know, with probiotics, you certainly do get what you pay for. I would certainly recommend practitioner prescription quality probiotics. Um, And if you want to get really specific, doing some functional stool testing to see what's lacking and therefore you can be much more specific with your prescription um, for that can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, But, you know, definitely probiotics can have a role in this pre and probiotics. Um, So I talked about, can I, this is where I add in supplementation. Yeah, yeah, it it is. And this is the number four. This is number four. This is repair. This is when you're throwing in your bone broths and your L-glutamines. Jump in. Your turn. Oh, hooray. Okay. I knew knew we'd get there eventually. Okay. I've already talked about L-glutamine, so take that out from where I jumped the gun before and add it in here. So L-glutamine, you know, N-acetylglucosamine, which helps support, you know, the gut mucosa um, and repairs intestinal permeability as well. Um, 
oh, sorry, reduces your intestinal permeability, I should say. Um, there are some herbs that I like to use. So anything that can be soothing and almost acts like kind of like a gelatinous sort of coat to the digestive lining. And these are things like your slippery elm, marshmallow, cat's claw, chamomile. Um, I like aloe vera as well um, to use, which can be really helpful in healing inflamed tissue as well. Um, things that are really high in L-glutamine are the bone broth, which we talked about, grass-fed beef, if you can tolerate it, um, spirulina, cabbage, um, asparagus, uh, your wild-caught fish, uh, venison, turkey, those sorts of things are all really high in L-glutamine. Um, again, you know, you need to be able to tolerate them, but bone broth is one that seems to be very well tolerated and very um, healing and reparative to most people. Um, it is one of the easiest things to make even I can do it and I can't cook to save myself but I can make bone broth so um, rest assured if I can do it everybody can uh, you know you really need to use organic bones though that's the only rule with it they must be organic bones um, just to make sure that you know the lead and contaminant um, content in that is as low as possible and um, there's heaps of different recipes out there. Look, we'll post some online so that you can use those directly. Um, you just need to let it simmer on um, on the stovetop for as long as possible. And then you can freeze it or do whatever you'd like with it. And, but I would certainly suggest sipping it at least once a day. So replace it for your morning coffee, um, which for some people, um, and we're not going to go into molecular mimicry today because that's way too complicated. But for some people, coffee can actually increase their risk of um, leaky gut. So if that's something that's actually triggering that for you, you need to ditch it, but you could replace that with your, you know, your morning bone broth. Uh, and you can certainly use this as the base for all of your soups and stocks and, and that sort of thing. Um, Ash, is there any other things that you want to add into that mix there? Look, awesome. For me, just the summary of that is good nutrition. You know, add in the good stuff, take away the bad stuff and look after your body as we recommend for all scenarios for anything any concerns you have with health you know food is medicine start there get things right cut out the crap eat the whole foods eat the real foods and uh yeah totally on board there and look last but not least number five is to regulate and this is really about paying attention to what we're eating how we feel when we eat you know how and where we eat how much we eat and of course um looking at anything that we know is causing us to eat emotionally as well so you're not going to get good gut health if we're constantly emotionally eating so i say to people look just regulate how and when you eat mm -hmm. and that means chewing your food slowly and thoroughly just calming down at times of meal time because digestion begins in our saliva and that begins with our secretory IgA, which is the uh, enzyme that basically gets the whole line of digestion working and also the defense system against any bacteria that you could bring into your body through the food. So how we eat, when we eat, is also really important to how that gut tract is going to work. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, look, that's it. Ladies, that's what we need to talk about today. You know, what is leaky gut? What can you do? Remember, what you can do is the four R's, which is the traditional functional medicine protocol for healing the gut. And we throw on the fifth one, which is f number five to regulate. So go through your protocol, remove, replace, re-inoculate, repair, and then lastly, regulate. So that is how we'd love you to leave this episode today, um, knowing that there's a lot of great things you can do and to certainly seek guidance where you need it. Have a little look at some of the research that's out there. Um, have a look at the programs that are available to you. There's so many amazing, great practitioners that are giving you direct, you know, protocols and resources for that. Like, you know, we've talked about Kale. He's got some great work as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And look, ladies, if you need a little bit more guidance with this, please let us know because we can certainly help to point you in the right direction if we can't help you ourselves. Um, make sure you're communicating with us on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women. Um, let us know what you thought about this episode. We'd love you to leave us a five-star rating in iTunes if you think we deserve it um, and your little reviews because they really do make a difference um, and we love you so much for that. Uh, make sure you're following us on Instagram underscore The Wellness Women. Um, and ladies, until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.